Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. The first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. I'm your host, Nick Williams, and this week's show is brought to you by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Are you frustrated by your typical hunting and fishing magazines? Are you tired of reading content meant for guys up north or in the Midwest? Don't get left behind following the guidance of guys who don't hunt and fish in your home state. Pick up a Great Days Outdoors magazine subscription and become a better southern outdoorsman. Great Days Outdoors magazine can be found at your local Books A Million, Tractor Supply Company, Rural King, or you can save and buy online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report. It has actually been uh, kind of beautiful here in South Alabama. The weather's cleared up. The water looks nice. Uh, talking with some of my friends on the different canoe groups, it seems like just throughout the state, uh, the water levels are pretty good down here where I'm at on the Perdido and the Delta. The Sepulgan Conecuh Rivers are looking pretty good. And then I did some fishing last weekend up in the northernmost part of the state and uh Knocked out a Cahaba bass and a Black Warrior bass off of my Red Eye Slam, and all the waterways up there looked really good as well. We got lucky that rain didn't blow out any of that water. So anyway, I'm excited to hear how the fishing is going to be uh, all around the state this week. We got some interesting guests coming up. Uh, we got some some old favorites, and then we got one guy who we haven't had on the show. I think you'll enjoy the interview that we do with him. But anyway, let's get straight to it. All right, guys, for our first guest, we have Steve Graziano out of Lake Ufalo. Uh You may know him as The Graz. Uh, Steve, how you doing today, brother? Hey, Dick. I appreciate you having me today. Yes, sir. Well, I'm glad to have you on. Been been anxious to have you on. I know you used to do a lot of stuff with Brian. Uh, so happy that we were finally able to uh, cross paths and make it happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, the lake is really on fire right now. The ledge bite, it's just... Uh, it's a fun time to fish, you know, the lake. Uh, if if you're offshore, ledge ledge by. Well, well, talk to me a little bit about that. Uh, d- define for folks who don't know what what is that ledge bite. Well, you know, the lake, the way it fishes, it's what I would call a drop lake. And what I mean by that is, you know, when you talk about a ledge, a lot most people think. 15 to 20 or 25 to 30, but I'm going to say that the lake is is a, a drop lake. And what I mean by that is you can have a, a 5 to 10 drop. You can have a 10 to 15. So, it, you know, the fish kind of get on those breaks. Of course, this time of year, the water's hot. The shad are out deep. And so, you know, it's just more predictable this time of year. And it's a fun time to fish the lake really is the water's clear you just got 92 degree water right now right right yeah i can imagine that would drive some some fish deeper so you think they follow as as the water is kind of warming up and them shad move deeper than bass mainly following them just to follow the shad and be with the food source or why you think they move deep like that what's your personal theory on that that's exactly what they're doing they're going to be around the food source We've been lucky here. We've had five years uh, without a shad kill, and we had great shad spawns. So we've got abundance of shad in the lake. That's really their their main forage is, is shad. Uh, you got gizzard and, of course, bread fan is the main thing. And then, you know, they will get on some brim too. But the fish are going to be where the groceries are. They're just going to be there because they got to survive. When you're taking people out and, and you're looking to identify that ledge bite, I imagine that kind of consists of riding around and, and, you know, looking for a drop at that depth, but then also 
Uh, are, you, are you specifically looking for those shad, too, as you kind of pinpoint a spot? Exactly. Well, you, you want to have shad. Usually when you find the fish, and what I do is I'll put my side scan on about 80 to 100, and I'll shoot out to either side, which side I'm wanting to, to, to drive and look. And uh, I'm not saying I wouldn't drive directly over them because I would, but right now the best way to, to, to do it is to do the side scan. And I use Hummingbird for a side scan and Hummingbird 360 up front. But the bass are really around the, the bait. If you see the bass on the side scan, you will see the bait. And uh, uh, shad now are starting to come up to the top, which is, uh, you know, the uh, in August, it, the water gets so hot. So what you have is you'll have shad in the 10-foot range, and then you'll have some bait balls that'll be in the 20-foot range. So they're starting to move around, and uh, it's because of the time of year. But uh, they're still predictable right now, and that's the nice thing. Fun time to fish you follow right now. It really is. <laughs> uh, you know, I like uh, late May through September. I like fishing in the colder months, too, certainly. But it's just really predictable um, this time of year. Sure. So so keying in on, on those shad being, or on those bass being really predictable around that shad, once you've found some fish, uh, what are you doing to catch them? Like, are you throwing, like, shad imitations down there at them? Yeah, I mean, uh, we were out there today. We caught some on a uh, shaky head, but we did catch them on deep crankbait. We did that, and uh, we throw other things too. But it, it you know, the uh, each day is different. Sometimes they don't want a crankbait. Sometimes you got to slow down. I'll tell you, Carolina rig has been really good lately. I've caught some really big fish on a Carolina rig in the last two months. Really, and uh, that was a that was a a thing that I used to do a lot was Carolina rig. And I don't know, it's just uh, when you come down here, you don't want a short leader. You want a five, six, even a seven foot leader will get you a bigger bite. Always has. Really? That that long of a leader on a Carolina rig? Well, a lot of people have a short leader and it doesn't work as good on this lake. Now, I'm not saying it wouldn't work. Now, colder months, you know, you could probably shorten the leader, but long leaders work good on this lake they just do now now when you say a, a leader like are you are you talking about like five five to six feet between from from the weight to the to the hook really oh yeah yeah oh yeah and it's it's uh to cast it you need a one ounce weight you don't need to fool around with a half or three quarter because you want it to go down you know i have a lot of clients will have a half i'll tell them i'll switch it out you know right off the bat because you you want the bait to get down, and but that longer leader will make it suspend out, and then of course you don't want a real big hook because that'll make it your bait sink quicker. Right. So it's just you know how to present it and so forth and so you know when I get a trip and we're out there, I'm certainly I'll rub off on them. You know what I mean? And try and explain to them why we're doing it and all that kind of stuff. A, a drop shot could be good too. Because I, I I do use drop shot as well, so I, I don't want to say that we don't you know use a drop shot because we do. A drop shot's a good presentation in the summertime. Are you using kind of that same long leader on your drop shot as well, keeping a five to seven foot leader on it? No, drop shot we you know eight, ten inches to twelve inches maybe maybe even shorter. It depends. 
you don't want a long leader on a drop shot because you can you can work the bait. You know, we cast it out. You know, we don't drop it over the side of the boat. We don't do the vertical thing. Uh, this time of year, we cast it out and then kind of work it. And so you can put it in the right strike zone or the uh, level that the fish are at. I got you. Is is there when you run in your Carolina rigs and you drop shots and you shake your heads, is there a particular uh, soft plastic that you prefer to put on them? Yeah, I mean, right now the water's clear. So your watermelon candies, you know, there's a color. Sun gill is a good one. Mm-hmm. That's a really good color. Zoom makes that. Today you did well on watermelon candy red, for example. You know, it, it, it the watercolor pretty much dictates what goes on. If the water was stained up, we might go with a darker color, like a June bug or something like that. But but that's on a shaky head. Now you start talking about a drop shot, you're going to be having a little lighter uh, colors work better. Seems like on a, on a, on a drop shot. Hmm. Any any theory as to why that that might be? Well, I think that the sh- shaky head is is more of a worm or creature type deal, and the drop shot is is basically a shad imitator by the way you work it and everything because your weight is of course you know below the bait. Sure. I found I found that the lighter colors that kind of I mean I'm not talking about real light but the uh, Morning dawns, they work, and there's some other colors that are lighter, and they certainly work. But that's on a drop shot. Right. And then the crankbaits, crankbaits are basically shad imitators. You know, I like the uh, Yozuri uh, Hardcore, the uh, deep one, that seven, uh, it gets down. That's my favorite bait. Been out a couple years. You know, I know everybody's got their bait that they like, but I really like that, that Hardcore on this lake. It gets down quick, and it'll get down over 20 if you, you know, put it on 12-pound test and fluorocarbon and have the right setup. Yeah, I've, I've fished a good good bit of Yozuri's, and I like their, uh, they, they just, they seem to be well-made, right? Like, they've got pretty good hooks on them. They, they hold up pretty well, and they look, they look good. Uh, I seem to catch a lot of fish on them. There's another bait out now, and they're expensive. To me, they're the most, one of the most expensive baits out there, and that's that, uh, uh Pro Outsider, uh, they're they're like twenty something dollars, but they're they're really good. That's a bait that has got a different movement. It's more of a side to side, kind of like a lipless crankbait, you know, because they're made kind of flat. That's a good deep diving crankbait. But if you lose one, you'd have to go see your shrink, though. <laughs> You're paying twenty six, twenty seven dollars. I've I've noticed that man. That's been a trend that, that those crankbaits are getting more and more expensive. And and then that reminds me. Uh, I saw the other day some of the big swim baits. You know that's that's become a real big trend. Is throwing a real go. big swim okay. bait, and those those can be fifty sixty dollars. Yeah, I've I've, yes, I've seen them for more, and I've seen some of them that went all the way. I haven't seen them in stores yet here local, but I've seen them online where people are charging two or three hundred dollars for a, a swim bait. Uh, have you, you messed with that any? You done some of the big swim bait fishing? Swim bait? I'm not going to say that some of the places that I'm fishing that somebody could throw a swim bait out there and, and maybe catch one, but it's just, uh, you know, it's a slower presentation. But, um, you know, you're talking about right now, the way this lake is fishing, you could pull into a place, get a couple bites, get the school fired up, and you can catch 
I mean, you can catch 10, 15 fish in one place. I mean, it doesn't happen everywhere, but that's what's happening now. Yeah. And uh, the lake, yeah, a few years back, it was it was trash piles. Everybody's looking for trash piles, but that's not how this lake's fishing right now. It's hard spots off the river, shell beds, you know, stuff like that, points, humps. It's, it's just a fun time to fish lake you follow. It really is. Sure. Well, I, I do have a question. Talk about how, how fun it is right now and how the bass are predictable and how it's going to start changing. I know we're getting on one of those big seasonal changes, right? It's always when it's cold and it warms back up and when it's hot and it starts to cool down. I got buddies who are down here. They're dusting out their duck gear and, and they're starting to get their food plots ready. So we're, we're coming up on that big change. Um, to stay on top of the pattern in the coming weeks, what advice would you give people to get ready as that fishing starts to transition a little? Well, uh, I would say that your water temperature is going to be the main thing. Right now, the water's like today was 92. I mean, it's extremely hot, but the fish still got to eat. I think when the water gets in the low 80s, high 70s, and it can happen quick if you get a cold front move in, it it could it could it could knock it down pretty quick. Well, what's going to happen is the shad's going to start moving, and then the fish are going to follow the the, the the shad. And so that's when it gets it's not so predictable. You got to come out here and and do a little homework. But a lot of the same ways that we catch them stay the same pretty much. Once the fish start moving, maybe in the creeks, mouth of the creeks, and all, and on the flats of the creek and the river. There's a top water bite that can happen in uh, September and October because I've, I've, I've had it happen, but it's usually a morning bite and uh, that's going to change because, I mean, we're talking about August, you know, next month, September, and October and football season and, you know, it's all, all going to change. Right. Yeah, it's going to look, look like a whole different ball game out there then. Well, Steve, I definitely I appreciate all of your insight um, for, for folks who want to go out there and, and kind of jump on that, that fishing while it's real hot right now. What's a good way for them to get them in, get in touch with you? Well, they can get me at uh, grazasguideservice.com. I've got a website. Also, I'm on Facebook. That's G-R-A-Z-S, guideservice.com. And then they can call me on my cell or text 706-593-4192. I'm glad to take them out of there, show them electronics, whatever they want to know. You know, I've been fishing a lake a long time. And I'm the old wise man on the lake, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you were telling me uh, before we started the show, I think you were saying you'd been fishing it since the, the 70s. Is that right? Yes, sir. Me and Jack Tibbs, the mayor, we grew up in Columbus, Georgia, went to the same high school. And, you know, we get out of high school and we go down to local ponds and we were early 70s we were learning how to bass fish yeah i mean that's uh that was back well ray scott started what in 68 or 69 so i remember going to a uh, seminar at the municipal auditorium ray scott came over there with some pros and i think there was 1500 2000 people showed up they were trying to teach the public on how to catch you know bass and me and Jack showed up to that seminar that Ray Scott did years ago when we were just teenagers. Sounds sounds like a good time back back in the day. Well, 
folks y'all y'all heard him steve he has been out there catching bass on like you follow for a minute now so if, uh, if y'all get a hankering to go out there and capitalize on that ledge bite y'all definitely look him up and steve i appreciate you being on the show today sir nick appreciate it buddy anytime hey yes sir you have a good one thank you Alrighty, guys, that was Steve Graziano on Lake Eufaula. Y'all be sure to check him out if y'all want to go catch some big Lake Eufaula bass. Let's take a quick break. We'll hear from some of the sponsors who keep this show free to you. This week's episode has been brought to you by Texas Hunter. Every detail of the Texas Hunter Wrangler hunting blind has been designed for your comfort. Fully carpeted walls and ceiling provides a scent and noise barrier, while sealed windows keep bugs and pests from joining you on the hunt. A solid galvanized steel roof is sure to protect you from the elements and will never leak or rust. The Wrangler is available in the ground model or with a 4-foot or 8-foot tower model available for extra-wide, sturdy stairs. Visit TexasHunter.com to check out their wide variety of premium outdoor products. Built in America since 1954. Also brought to you by Killer Dock. I hadn't even realized how bad it was. I was cleaning fish on rotten wood, and after cleaning just a few fish, I was filthy. And I had a sudden burn. I tried wearing a hat, but it just couldn't keep me cool. And how was I supposed to clean fish without getting messy? Killer Dock brings the upgrade that not only will keep you cool and clean, it'll make being on your dock more enjoyable. Killer Dock combines durability, function, and design to uniquely upgrade your entire dock experience. Visit KillerDock.com to check out the greatest fish cleaning stations known to mankind. All right, guys, for our next guest, we have Lauren Johnson. Uh, some of you younger crowd, y'all may know him a little bit better as Lojo. Lauren, how you doing today, brother? Nick, I'm good, man. How are you? I'm I'm doing great, and I'm glad I finally caught you. It seems like you've been doing a little bit of globe trotting the last couple of weeks. I think last time I tried to get a hold of you, you was up in, uh, what was it, D.C.? Man, yeah, I think it was. And then I was in Texas last week, and man, I, I'm all over the place, man. Um, I love to travel and fish obviously and then i also travel you know, for some business purposes and networking with some people so man the uh it's it's a it's a grind but you know that's that's part of life i love it happy to be here though yeah tell tell us about that because I'm, I'm looking here i got your youtube channel pulled up and i know there's got to be a good story about how somebody from the uh you know southeast alabama dothan area there's got to be a good story behind that person getting seven hundred and eighteen thousand youtube subscribers yeah, well, I mean, I don't know if it's a good story, but it's a story. Um, you know, back in 2016 or so, there really wasn't really a fishing YouTube. You know, there was there was some fishing content on YouTube, and you'd see it here or there, but social media also wasn't what it is now. You know, so it was kind of in its infant stages, I would say, back then. And I saw I started seeing a couple creators pop up. So I would see a fishing video. I didn't have 20,000 views or something. And it was just regular guys kind of going out and fishing. And prior to that, the only p- people that you ever saw on TV fishing was the pros, obviously. You know, you never saw just a regular guy <laughs> out fishing. But anyways, I started seeing it. I started seeing it more and more on YouTube becoming more prevalent, you know, in society, in the fishing world. And I just kind of thought to myself, you know, I, I think I, might, I maybe could do that. You know, and, and mind you, I've never held a camera before, before that point, never edited video or anything before at that point. And, um, so I was just completely, I was just completely lost in that moment. But my wife actually, she actually had a big deal to do with getting me started because she bought me my first GoPro ever, because I think she was getting so tired of hearing me come home and tell all these crazy stories, you know, cause when I would go out fishing, 
you know how it is when you go out fishing, crazy things happen, you know, now sometimes nothing happens, but if you do it enough, you'll start seeing and experiencing crazy things. So my wife bought me this GoPro for my birthday one year and she said, Hey, well, why don't you go record some of this stuff? That way you can come back and show me, you know? So that's literally what started me down the path. I was already kind of interested, but when she bought that GoPro and this was an old crappy, you know, GoPro four, this was back in the, <laughs> when the GoPros weren't that good either, you know, so you just kind of had to make it work and um, the audio was terrible. And, you know, I started filming all my little fishing trips and I was just kind of keeping them on a hard drive. You know, I, don't, I didn't really have a, have a plan. I just knew that I, you know, I liked what I was doing and I wanted to keep doing it. And then eventually you get to the point where you have all this video on a hard drive, right? And it's like, what am I going to do with this? Why am I keeping this? What is it for? Is it just a memory or is it just a, you know, a souvenir? And one day I downloaded the editing software and I started trying to clip these videos together and try to make, you know, like a one five minute or maybe like a three minute video was my first video just a three minute compilation of different fish catches and some music on there, which was copywritten. So I immediately got a copyright strike when I uploaded to YouTube because I didn't know that that was a thing. Yeah. So I mean, talk about some humble beginnings, you know, <laughs> so that's kind of how it started. And over time, you know, you hone your craft. And uh, I was very fortunate in the fact that when I was coming along was like 2017, 2018. Right after that was when fishing YouTube kind of exploded with the Guggen squad and amongst other people, you know, who were just kind of getting a lot of views and a lot of people paying attention to them. And um, I just kind of caught that wave and I was part of that wave. And I've also worked with a lot of really, really influential people on YouTube. And I have a good rapport with a lot of people. So that's, that's been a huge benefit to me and my channel. Um, and then 2020 with the pandemic, that's when it really went crazy because as I'm sure you remember, I mean, there was just a, several months period of time where everybody was just home, you know, and nobody had a lot to do. I mean, we were trying to come up with stuff to do. I know me and my family did, you know, we try to keep yourself occupied, but YouTube became like an outlet. It became a savior for a lot of people who were just super bored. They couldn't do anything, you know, and everybody flooded social media and mainly YouTube, you know? And so on 2020, that's the highest view count I've ever had, you know, in a year. And that's really what kind of exploded my channel and kind of took me to that, you know, whatever next level, if you want to say. And I've just been kind of plugging away ever since, you know, that's kind of the shortened, condensed version. Yeah, yeah, no, that's 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 fun to listen to. And I, I can testify, man, you're talking about the pandemic, the old lockdown and uh, my quiet little corner of the world up here on Tensaw Lake in uh, North Baldwin County. We're usually pretty far away from the the casual weekend angler crowd. You know, that's a little further south. But it, it turned into for a while, you could, you would know, like if you got up in the morning and you were making coffee and you heard more than one or two boats go by your house, you would, I would pull up my phone and check and see, well, what tournament are they fishing today? You know, fourth or fifth mm-hmm. boat is like, yeah, they run a tournament up here. And it turned into the pandemic, man, where every day it, it was yep. like that. You would have, you'd be making your coffee and you'd watch 10, 15, 20 boats go by because everybody was taking some of that, that free time. You couldn't go to the movies. You couldn't go to, to a dinner, couldn't go to the mall. Uh, people were working from home. People were like myself. I started running trot lines because I didn't have to make that hour commute into work and having that hour back in the morning and in the evening, it meant, well, I got a little extra free time. I'll go fish a little bit. So that That's was, right. that was a very real thing. And I'm, I'm glad it was rough on so many people. I'm glad at least that it was, it was good for you. 
Um, yeah, and that, and yeah, you, and you hate to think of it that way, but uh, very true. Um, and you make a good point. And uh, the pandemic not only did it kind of shed a light on fishing YouTube and let a lot of people in on what was going on, but it also got a lot of people into fishing that had never been into fishing. And when you're getting into something right away, what do you do? Well, you immediately look look for information on it, right? When you're trying to learn about a new skill or a new hobby, you're going to Google and you're going to go to YouTube and you're going to look for instructional videos and you're going to learn how to throw this bait and what rod should I use and this and that. And, you know, um, and so that was just kind of a, a, you know, a perfect little storm in that way. But um, I'm glad, I am glad that a lot of people got exposed to fishing for the first time. If there was some silver lining from the pandemic, that was definitely one bunch of younger people getting out of the house, go fishing, you know, um, kind of rekindle that the, the youth's love for fishing. And of course they watch a lot of YouTube. So that works, works out well there too. They, they do. They definitely, I, I watch a lot. I'm still in that younger kind of kid category myself. And, uh, <laughs> and there you go. Yeah, man. 30 years old. That's the new 30 is the new 20. You know, you're good. It is. I feel, I feel that way. Sometimes I have situations where, uh, you look around and you're like, Oh man, we need an adult. And then you see all the other people looking at you and you're like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, not an adult yet so uh but but talking about getting more people into fishing and i think that's really important is is kind of continuing to get get younger people into fishing and i think youtube is has been a great way to do that you can't deny it like i've worked in retail stores and you could definitely tell when the Guggen squad thing blew up you started to have a lot of teenagers back in the in the fishing lure section which was not something right. you really had when i first started in retail it was mainly you know you older gentlemen Something that a lot of kids starting off, and I was this way too, uh, the first bass I ever caught was a pond bass. And I know on your channel, you do a lot of pond fishing. Tell me about that a little bit. Why why pond fish? You know, you got to the point now where you've got, you know, the subscriber count got a little bit of notoriety. You could do anything. Why pond fish? Yeah, well, that's definitely my most enjoyable way to fish. You know, if I can only pick one way, you know, one type of body of water and whether it be from boat, bank, kayak or whatever, I would definitely choose bank fishing a pond. You know, there's just something about it. There's just tons of possibilities. You know, when you go out on a lake or a river or any body of water, I mean, you talked about this a little bit, you know, off, uh, off the interview. And just when you have that much water, it's great. It's great to be out on the lake or out on the river, or on the boat. I mean, there's no better feeling in the world, but you got to find those fish. You know what I mean? You're not just going to be able to pull up to this or that spot, make a cast and catch a fish. You know, it's just, that's not how it goes down most of the time. You know, you got to put in a lot of work, a lot of time. And with a pond, you know, fishing a pond from the bank, it just seems like it's the exact opposite of that. You know, there's just so much potential. Any cast you make at any direction, especially we're talking about a smaller pond, you know, like five acres and under, you know, a pond you could walk around in less than an hour of fishing, you know. Um, it just seems like anywhere you cast, it's just there's that potential of that bite and there's the potential that you could catch the biggest bass in the pond, you know. There's really not that potential when you're out on the lake. You know what I mean? You don't quite have that feeling. Maybe some people do, but and I've caught plenty of big fish in lakes and rivers and caught plenty of big fish out of ponds too. But there's just something about that bank fishing and pond fishing that I always really love. That's probably because that's how I started, you know, was just on foot didn't have a boat for the first several years. And I liked it. I liked that. I did have kayaks. You know, that was my way of getting out into the water if I wasn't bank fishing. But, you know, I preferred doing that. And also it was a little strategic, but it was something that I just enjoyed more. But it was strategic in the way 
it was strategic in a way that I felt like people could relate to bank fishing the most. You know what I mean? If if you were to go look at every bass fisherman in the country and what percentage is going to own a $70,000 bass boat? Not not a lot. You know what I mean? Most people are not going to be able to afford that, but anybody could in theory afford you know, a cheap little rod and reel from Walmart and a pack of Senkos and some hooks. And, you know, almost anybody could walk down to some pond somewhere near you and cast that Senko in that pond and you could catch your PB. That's just, you know, that's just kind of how it is. You just can't say that in any other scenario, you know, so at least that's how I feel about it. But huge pond fisherman to this day, you know, I love ponds. I love fishing in general, but there's just something something special about that tiny little pond and getting up close and personal with nature in that way and just being right there. You know, it's just it's it's uh it's pretty good. I, I agree with you entirely. I I grew up fishing ponds and, and I don't have a seventy thousand dollar boat now, but I have a boat and uh have the opportunity I, I get to get to travel can go fish a lot of places but a lot of times you know you get a quiet sunday morning uh or, or a little bit of time after work uh, you know that's the place where if i'm honest it's like well what if you could just do one thing if this was your last evening how you want to spend it and it's like man i think i'm gonna grab my wife and grab my kid and go see if i can't catch that bass again by that log right there at that little point on that pond that same bass that i caught last week i'd like to catch her one more time and I think I think that's that's really part of the beauty of bass and, and kind of always has been is that uh, we've been talking a good bit on the podcast off and on with some fly fishermen. And I've, I've recently been doing the, uh, the Red Eye Bass Slam and getting into that sort of thing and visiting some of these wild free flowing streams, which is its own kind of fun. But, you know, when used to trout was king in sport fish, if you go back 100 years ago, nobody was really bass fishing and the popularity of bass fishing, a big factor was exactly what you were saying you know you could catch a world record you could catch a big fish in a small sluggish pond you know they'll survive and thrive in situations like that and but they're acrobatic they're they're always eager and aggressive it's a really perfect fish for that you know and it was a great way bass fishing in a huge way popularized fishing as a whole that was a lot of people's introduction into it because you could go and hit like you were saying a one or five acre pond and pull a big bass pull something that was impressive look good in the picture felt good you know pick up a fish that's heavy i love it and you're talking about senkos that was the first uh quote-unquote big bass i ever caught was actually on a senko um nice yeah my first ever artificial lure bass came on a a red senko (laughs) And my buddy, he had told me, I had met my buddy uh, prior. This is like before I'd ever caught a bass in, in any situation. Maybe I caught one on a minnow or something back in the day. But you know, this is the first time I ever went bass fishing with lures. And my friend told me, he's like, you only need to get one thing when you go to the store. Okay, get all your fishing rod and reel line, get all that sorted out. Like, but you only need one bait to start with. He said, go buy a pack of Gary Yamamoto Red Senkos. And I, at that time, I had no idea what that was, but I went to the store and I went through everything and I found it and I got it. And that was the first lure that I ever caught artificial bass on. And man, that's that's the way it's supposed to start, huh? Just pick up a yeah. Senko and just start working. And it's just, and then you become, you just fall in love. Cause like you said, the bass, they're so eager. They're so willing. They're aggressive. You just never know where they are. And when they do bite, they they fight pretty hard. You know, um, there's other fish that fight harder, and there's other fish that might be more aggressive. But they they have a, a the, the whole package. You know, they got everything. So love them. 
Speaking of lures, so I know looking at your YouTube channel, um, one of the videos I watched you did a while back was the DIY fishing lure challenge. And I know that's a big part of of kind of the YouTube scene is doing the fishing challenges and trying crazy baits. And I know you've done work with Guggen Squad and other companies. So people send you baits. So I imagine that uh, your tackle box probably doesn't still consist of just one pack of Red Gary Yamamoto's. I imagine you've probably got more <laughs> tackle than you could throw at this point. But but for people who are right now, it's real hot, you know, 90-something degree surface temperatures, and those ponds bake. Um, at least that's oh my, my gosh, experience. Yeah. A lot of times those those fish in those ponds are, are really heat-stressed, and sometimes this time of the year that can hurt you bite a little bit. What would be, let's say, your top three baits that you would take out for an evening of pond fishing right now? What would you recommend somebody throw? Would you still recommend this time of the year that somebody hit it with that red Senko? Well, it's never, ever a bad idea to throw a Senko. And you know that, Nick, as well as anybody. That's <laughs> never a bad idea. But just for the sake of this conversation, I'll leave the Senko out of it. You know, it's funny because I fished for about five hours today and just, oh my gosh, so hot, so tough, you know. And I was throwing everything at them. But that's just how it is. But, you know, one of the things I caught a fish on today that's kind of emerged the last five, ten years as like a viable summertime technique that doesn't get talked about a whole lot is the Ned rig, you know, the Ned rig, it's not a sexy rig. It's small, which I think turns a lot of people off. I know it did me when I first was learning about it, but the more I throw it and the more I get comfortable shaking that little Ned rig around down there, it really does trigger a lot of bites in the summertime, especially if you can find, you know, a little bit of rock or like just almost gravel, like pea gravel, you know, intermediate depth you know i don't go super deep with it just because that's not my that's not the kind of fishing i like to do but i'd say the ned rig is definitely one um i'm a huge topwater guy and out of all the topwater lures in the world this one is my favorite and everybody that's watching my channel they, they already know what i'm about to say but the buzz bait and but the thing about the buzz bait during the summertime it's not like you can just go out there any time of the day i mean it's got to be under the right circumstances, you know, low light. And this is, I mean, I'm not breaking any news here, but, you know, getting up early, uh, that's going to be your friend in the summertime or even night fishing. You know, I love, 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 love night fishing during the summertime. Now, I don't do it very much on the channel. That's because it's hard to film at night. But in my, you know, when if I'm just having fun, I mean, night fishing with a buzz bait in a pond. I mean, you talk about having a good time. I mean, because you can't see, but the big bass and a lot of the bass are going to wait till nighttime to feed. That's just how it is. You know, it's so brutally hot. This has been one of the hottest summers I can ever remember, you know, but that buzz bait, man, it just does something. It almost irritates them into biting. I don't know what it is. The sound and man, they just tear it up. I've caught a lot of big bass that way. And then let's see, third, how do you feel about the buzz bait? You a big fan? I've, so, you know, I've never really buzz baits and spinner baits, and it's kind of weird to say that you fish for bass and you wow. don't fish buzz baits and spinner baits, but, uh, that's was, shocking. Well, I was just talking, we, we didn't get into it on the show, but all fair, me and Steve Graziano were talking and I have had a lot of luck fishing in July and August at night. Like you're talking about, uh, the old black jitterbug is one of my all time ah, favorite yeah. bass lures. And I've never caught a bass during the daytime on a jitterbug. And I've never caught a bass on any jitterbug that wasn't black personally, but that is in one of my top five lures. Like just as far as a good time, a full moon in late summer when it's hot, like you're talking about eat dinner, watch a little TV, let it get dark, slip out and just oh, yeah. Eddie retrieve and listen for that sound that they make. And then listen, it'll sound yeah. like somebody dropped a cinder block in the water. You'll just hear. Kaboosh. That's right. 
that to one of my favorite things about night fishing too is like you just said it, it just it takes away one of your basic senses which is eyesight you know i mean you might be able to see a little bit if the moon's shining but you're generally you're not going to be able to see your base so you're 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 relying solely on your hearing and then your your touch your feel because you know i've had strikes come and just the lines just tense before you even hear the blow up you know what i mean or just so you're you're retrieving that buzz bait and all of a sudden it's tight you know and you have to you just have to rely on different senses that you don't normally have to rely on in fishing and i love that aspect of it my third lure i mean i could throw a lot of different things at you you know obviously you're a bass fisherman you know we have a million different ways to try to catch them and they could all work in the summer in the right situation but one thing i've done recently that i don't normally do that much of but i'm going to throw it out there is kind of like medium to deep cranking i'm not going to say totally deep divers because i don't fish a whole lot of like 20 foot of water with crankbaits but like 10 to 12 with a medium to deep diver like a, a 5xd maybe or maybe a little bit smaller than that like doing that on the edge of really steep banks you know like river banks or any kind of a lake with a steep bank i just i've really been doing that a lot just kind of just cranking downward at that angle and just dredging them up and um i've kind of rekindled my love for that deep cranking and a lot of people it's kind of it's it's fun to do because it's power fishing but if you're not in the right area if you're not at the right angle if you're if you're if your lure's not getting at that right depth then you're just completely missing the fish you're targeting that's the only thing about it that i don't like is it's got to be in the right position but uh i'm a big fan of that man the crankbait bite's fun i could also throw a jig in the mix i know a bunch of people would probably say jig jig um but a jig's something i mean that works anytime you know a jig's like a sinko i mean that's that's never a bad idea you might want to go a little smaller on your jig in the summertime you know depending on where you are in the country but um i think that's a good all around you know you got ned rigs you got you're working the bottom a little bit you got some bottom contact you got the top of the water cover with the buzz bait and that's your low light or nighttime and then you got the crankbait so you're kind of covering you know medium to deep water column there so i think uh you know that's not a bad three i feel pretty good with that right now but i went out and that's all i had to fish with yeah, I think I think that's a really good good combination. I'll, I'll circle back though in a quick story. So, uh, I, I told you that the first bass I ever caught on artificial was a senko, and as a kid growing up and and you know not not having a whole lot of financial resources, I found out real quick that you could take that senko and you could cut it in half and you could put it on a crappie jig head. Okay. <laughs> and and before there was ever such thing as a Ned rig uh i was basically fishing with an ed rig didn't know it but i did know that if you bounce that little yeah. half of a senko on the bottom on a crappie jig you could make bass bite it so that's that's, that's uh, an absolute ned rig right there that's, <laughs> that's an old school that's a custom that's the first ever right there i, I know i missed that <laughs> on the million dollar idea i just didn't didn't see it coming yeah you may have yeah well, well lauren it's been awesome talking to you uh glad that you were able to make it on the show uh i know that you got a youtube channel everybody y'all can go check them out on youtube lojo uh where else can people find you if they want to hear from you more um i mean i've got everything i've got instagram you know facebook uh, i'm not i'm super i'm pretty active on instagram a little active on facebook and i'm mainly just active on youtube you know i don't do twitter and all that stuff but um or tiktok that much so i'm pretty much a straight youtube guy at this point sure but thanks for having me on nick i appreciate it man it's been a great conversation and um i uh hope it was as enjoyable for you as it was for me 
It's, I have had a blast talking with you and folks. Y'all definitely go check out his, his uh, YouTube channel. He's a local South Alabama guy. Does a lot of fun stuff. It's just, for the most part, it's just pond fishing, man. It's just, just somebody cutting up, having a good time. Like you said earlier on, it's just a regular guy out there fishing. So it's a, it's a really good time. If y'all are looking man. for some videos to binge watch after dinner, like me and my wife do, that's a good channel to go check out. So, Lord, I appreciate, I appreciate you. It, man. Yes, sir. We'll holler at you later. Thank you, sir. Take care. Hey, yes, sir. You as well. Alrighty, guys, let's take a quick break and hear from some of this week's sponsors. This week's episode of the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report has been brought to you by Dixie Supply. Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks offer numerous items to help get your project done right the first time. They carry a variety of different panel profiles and your choice of colors and gauges with all the matching trim and accessories. They also offer a full line of hardware items and post-frame building design. Their friendly and knowledgeable sales representatives are always willing to help answer any questions or concerns you may have. Contact them with any questions or to get a free estimate today. Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks, your metal roofing headquarters. Also brought to you by Fish Bites. Whether you're hitting the sand with set rigs, using traditional scent strips for pompano, or fishing the flats and marshes for speckled trout, redfish, and flounder, Fish Bites has something for you. Family owned and operated in St. Augustine, Florida, they pride themselves on making reliably consistent fishing products for anglers of all ages all around the world. Fish Bites baits and lures are made with pride in the Sunshine State here in USA. Check out the full line of scented saltwater and freshwater baits at fishbites.com. All right, guys, for our third and final guest today, we have Dip McMillan down here on the Mobile Tensaw Delta. Uh, Dip has been run ragged the last little bit. He's been telling me he's been getting this kids tournament together, but uh, he agreed to take some time and talk with me this evening. Dip, how uh, how you doing this evening? Doing pretty good, Nick. Just been busy, man, but um, we're doing good. Well, good, good. Well, tell, tell, tell our listeners all about it. I know you've been on the podcast a few times and we've kind of mentioned it, but uh, I know you got a pretty big uh, fishing tournament coming up this weekend. Yeah, man, we got the um the annual Bippy Outdoors Kids Crappie Tournament this weekend. We've been doing this crappie tournament going on this I this I make our sixth year. This event, man, is all about the kids. Every kid that entered this um event, Nick, it's um they, they get a free rod and reel, no entry fee, everything is free. They get gift bags full of prizes, jigs, um all kinds of prizes in these gift bags. And then the grand prizes, man, we got a um buy right utility trailer, um gonna be there giving away a trailer, six by ten, a kayak, a three night stay at Lady Lake. Man, that's an awesome deal. Several audit coolers and um ingle coolers and um Yeti buckets, man. So I can't thank all my sponsors enough, man. Every kid will leave there happy, man, with um, rods and reels and tons of other prizes. And then we got um, free food for everybody. Well, all the participants and the kids and sponsors. And I, and I got a snow cone machine coming. Just talked with her a few minutes ago. Pelican snow cones out of Poland, they coming. And um, serving snow cones to all the kids and participants. Man, I ain't had a snow cone in years, and I've, y'all gonna need one this weekend because it's been hot. But that's a uh, that's awesome, man. That's awesome that you've got that <laughs> much support for it. Let let me know too, you know, and you can talk about your sponsors. You've talked about thanking them. If you want to go through and and kind of name some of those off, we can do that. But for sure, uh, we'll get the information for you, and we'll share it when we share everything. Because I know. I, at least me personally, I like to do business with people who support stuff like this because I I just don't think there's a way to express how important it is. You know, That's not true. just for the future of the sport of fishing, but but just in general, man, having people who have a connection with the outdoors, those are just going to be, that has contributed enormously to my happiness. Um, 
and I, I think that's you're you're doing a huge public service you know it may may sound like just a kid's fishing tournament but it's it's hard to overstress the impact that something like that can have on somebody's life you know just just throughout the course of their life if they're young so that i think it's awesome man you said you've been doing it for six years this time I make our six year nick we started it six years ago having five to six kids and with like two sponsors man and only the prizes we had were like 12 packs of jigs man so <laughs> man we have been blessed for sure that that's awesome so you said you started with five or six kids and i think i, I seen the other day you were up to triple digits this year aren't you man last year we had 74 kids nick and i'm gonna tell you i think we're gonna beat that total this year with the feedback i've been having all this week and throughout the year i think we're gonna beat that total that's that's awesome man the thought of 74 kids getting up there at hubbard's and catching some fish up there and i know there's a pile of crappie pile of bluegill up there on some of that structure up there in bear creek and bear creek and globe creek and all that stuff up there digging yep i agree so is the whole what what time does the whole thing start and this is this is this coming saturday right this is going to be the 12th right yep this coming saturday at hubbard's landing i'm going to be there no later than four o'clock a.m saturday morning because i know a lot of those kids is um very <clears throat> competitive and they want to blast off right at daylight so i'm gonna get up <laughs> that early <laughs> and register those in but the ones that want to come in mid-morning or throughout the day i'll be at that boat ramp all day taking registration so then the deadline is 12 o'clock 12 o'clock deadline and 12 15 we start waiting in the fish what uh do you know off the top of your head what last year's winner what what was what it take to to win last year last year winner i know that fish was i know who won it i think that fish was like a 110 112 and that's a good crappie for tensaw sure sure good crappie for tensaw and i think the first place winner took home like 100 200 bucks i know this year the first place would take home 200 bucks and they get a free crappie mount from cooper taxidermy out of pensacola Man, that's that's awesome right there. I wish I had my first crappie mounted when I was a kid. That'd be super cool, man. I'm telling you, man, the prize that we got this year, man, is just unreal. Well, that that is awesome. I'm glad it it, it tickles me. I've been following along with you with your tournament for the past couple of years, and I've seen it kind of grow. And uh, I, I think that is awesome. And then my my little girl, she's a little too small right now. Uh, they won't even let her. They they told me absolutely not, Nicholas. That kid does not need to be out on a boat. She can't wear a life jacket. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna come for it. Now that I know what it takes to win one here in the next few years, she may have to ride out there. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, buddy. Bring it. <laughs> so um, tell me tell me a little bit more about about the rules of the tournament. So do y'all do a uh, is is it is there like a big fish entry? Is it just for crappie? Yeah, so on the kids division, so we got two divisions. We got still got that adult division. Now next year may not be adult division since this tournament has grew so um, tremendously in the last few years. But this year we got the um, on the kids division. We got they get to catch one crappie or get to weigh in one crappie and get to weigh in another fish besides a crappie. We call it the bonus fish. That fish can be anything besides a crappie, like a bass, catfish, gorgolite, bream, um, you name it. And that fish will pay out. I want to say a hundred bucks too. Yeah, that's awesome. I like that. So it gives gives them the chance to to catch anything, catfish, shoe pick, anything. Yeah, and I'm glad we came up with that division a couple of years ago. Like you just said, it gives those kids the something um, something to weigh in. 
Yeah, everybody gets to participate. Yeah. And absolutely. I think that's awesome, man. Tell me, tell me a little bit how I know we've talked about this in the past, but just for our listeners who who haven't heard the story before, kind of kind of walk me through how you know Dippy Outdoors started because that's that's kind of a cool story, I think. Dippy Outdoors started basically, man. I used to, you know, I used to work at the Baldwin County um, Board of Education. I used to get these kids, man, that want to go in the outdoors and take them hunting, fishing, and then throughout the year and stuff. And um, I told them let me um, talk with their parents. Their parents okay, or I meet them, and um, I just take them fishing throughout the year, hunting and fishing. So, and then my one of my great friends, man, I never forget it, man, named Jake Marcus, come came to me one day, and the good Lord gave him this vision to give the me that dip, man. You taking all these kids fishing and stuff. Let's start something like a dippy outdoors. And um, he said, man, I'll help you get it started. And whatever you need, man, I'm here. You can do tournaments or just whatever. You, I mean, you need to have something dippy outdoors. And um, I got your back. And, man, we sat down and we thought about this process. And it just took off. All this come about me just taking kids hunting and fishing. And now this thing has blew up. I give the good Lord and Jake Marcus all the praise, man, because it wasn't for that, man. I mean. We wouldn't be here today talking about this, man. It's just it's a blessing that in all the lives, all the kids' lives we have touched over the years, man. I mean, it's well over two to three thousand easily. Can you can you tell me? I know the the tournament is just one thing that you do. Can you tell me a little bit about some of the other outreach that you do to kids through Dippy Outdoors? Yeah, absolutely. Um, during the hunting season, like this year, like matter of fact, this month we're gonna be giving away on our on my Dippy Outdoors page a free dove hunt to a kid in his guardian. Um, I got a couple of dove fields lined up, and we do giveaways on my page. So if anybody listening and want to get on there, please like Dippy Outdoors, and you can see when I start posting it. We do um, dove hunts. We do deer hunts. And I talked to one of my deer sponsors today, deer hunting sponsors today. Um, he got 4,000 acres in Locksley, and that's where we do all our deer hunts on. And let me tell you, this place is fine. Every year, we are blessed to take kids there, and we kill deer there. Man, I mean, these kids have a opportunity to harvest their first deer. So we, we um, last year we was able to take a kid on his first duck hunt, killed a mallard. I got it mounted for well, I surprised it. I surprised him one day at his house with a with his um mounted mallard. He didn't have a clue I was bringing it over. Man, that was just a thrill to see his enjoyment. But man, <laughs> like, but my outreach, man. We fish, we hunt, we're going to get the kids in the outdoors, man. That's awesome. I bet he was tickled about that mallard. I consider myself a semi-serious duck hunter, and even I. Ain't nobody showed up and surprised me with a mallard that I killed. <laughs> I don't have one on my wall. <laughs> me either, buddy. Well, Dip, I think that's awesome. Uh, if folks want to show up on Saturday, they just show up at Hubbard's and pay the launch fee and, and get with you and register. You said there's no entry fee or? Yeah, no entry fee at all. You pay your lunch fee, which is five bucks, and no entry fee for us, man. You just register your name down where I will take your name down. You go out there and you catch fish. And um, just remember when you weigh in your fish at weigh in, or if you don't weigh in the fish, just get with me. I got to give you a name tag. Your name tag gets you uh, free food and a snow cone. But I'll make sure everybody knows that Saturday. <clears throat> I, have, I have been getting a lot of feedback this week about registration. Right? We don't do a pre-registration. We just do one registration. That's the morning of the tournament. And I will be at Hubbard's Landing no later than 4 a.m. Who, who's going to be catering you guys' lunch? Uh, Paul Harrington. Um, Paul started this with me. Um, I won't say that I did it the first year, but it wasn't no um, advertised that well. 
the good Lord had blessed me with Paul, man. Paul has stepped in and um and man, he he do all my catering, man. He helped with the sponsors. He's he's phenomenal, man. Uh, he's from Florida too. He got a camp at Hubbard's. I just got off the phone with him probably about twenty well, twenty minutes ago. He do all my cooking, man. All my cooking. He take care of it. Um, he go above and beyond for the kids. Well, that, that sounds like a really good time. Everybody listening in, definitely go check it out. And if you can't make it this year, plan on making it next year because it's a, it's a really special thing. There's a really good sense of community up there at Hubbard's anyway. And uh, it's just a great way to get your kids involved in the outdoors. I mean, it's everything. Dip has done all the hard work. Uh, y'all can hear it in his voice he's tired he's been running around all day setting this thing up and it's, it's really a year-round thing for him so take advantage of it go up there take your kids get them out on the water that's what we're all about and uh dip i'll i will uh i'll, I'll let you go but before i do that i wanted to ask you just real quick and i'll let you get some sleep you yourself was in a crappie tournament just here in the past couple of weeks was you not yes sir we was in the um the Delta Crappie Series tournament, man. Um, I had to fish that tournament by myself. My tournament partner um had a uh, baseball game with his two little boys, so I had to fish that tournament by myself. And it was at Cliff Landing, man. And um, we came out pretty good out of I want to say sixteen, eighteen boats, man. We finished third, and and that particular tournament, man, I needed a, um I needed a good finish. To win first place in points, and I did it, man. So we ended the year pretty good. We got one more tournament left, which is the championship at Miller Fair. And man, I can't wait, man. That's our first year in this series, man. Came in first place during the series, man. I, I mean, couldn't ask for a better, better season. When, when are you going to be fishing that, uh, that final? The final on um, the championship is this month, the 26th at Miller Fair in Camden. I got you. Well, we just, I'm jotting myself down a note because I definitely, if, uh, if for whatever reason I don't talk to you before then, I'm definitely going to have to, to see how you do. And I wish you the best of luck. And, uh, guys, Dip here, as you can tell, he's a pretty good crappie angler, uh, coming in third. That's pretty, pretty tight competition up there. He does, uh, part of what he does for Dippy Outdoors is he does some, some guiding. Uh, and he takes donations. That's that's part of how all of this happens. So if y'all want to come down here and catch some crappie, Dip is is definitely your man. You can go and get a good guide and donate towards a good cause. Well, Dip, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to let you go. But uh, as always, I enjoy talking to you. And uh, definitely send me some uh, send me some pictures of the tournament, and we'll go ahead and we'll share that on social media with everybody. Oh, sure will, Nick. I will take plenty of pictures, and I have other people taking plenty of pictures too. And hopefully, I have my GoPro up and running. Uh, get some good video man and thank you so much for having us man means a lot buddy absolutely yes sir well we'll uh we'll we'll talk to you later and you go and get you some rest because i know you're gonna have a busy weekend coming up (laughs) yes sir you too man yes sir all right guys that was dip mcmillan coming in uh with some information about the dippy outdoors kids tournament that they're doing up in hubbard's landing that's going to be in stockton alabama Uh, if y'all look that up on google that's super easy to find Uh, But let's go ahead and we're going to take a quick break and we're going to hear from some of our sponsors. This week's episode of the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report has been brought to you by L&M Marine. L&M Marine has something for everyone from small hunting boats to pontoon boats to bigger bay boat and offshore hybrids. L&M Marine LLC prides itself on its customer service and knows how important it is to be taken care of and to have someone you can trust. 
They are locally owned and regularly support the surrounding community. L&M Marine provides superior customer service and has an entire team that consists of professional sales members, finance experts, service technicians, and a knowledgeable parts and accessories staff to fully support you. Go visit their friendly, reliable, and experienced staff today. L&M Marine is located six miles north of I-10 at 34600 Highway 59 in Stapleton, Alabama. You can also reach them by phone at 251-937-1380. Also brought to you by Southeastern Pond Management. Since 1989, Southeastern Pond Management has been a leader in pond and lake management services. If you own a pond or lake anywhere in the Southeast, Southeastern Pond Management can evaluate the health of your pond and then work with you individually to put together the right plan to get what you want out of your body of water. Through electrofishing, liming, fertilizing, and stocking and weed control, Southeastern Pond Management is the one-stop shop to help you produce more healthy trophy fish than ever before. Schedule an obligation-free consultation today. Call one 888 830-POND or email info at southeastpond.com. All righty, folks, that's going to wrap up this week's show. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. If you'd like for us to email you the podcast, just text FISHING to 314-665-1767. Again, just text the word FISHING to 314-665-1767. Subscribe to our email list and we'll send you the new show each week. This week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report was brought to you by Texas Hunter. Since 1954, Texas Hunter Products has delivered the finest quality fish and game feeders and hunting blinds in the industry. To learn more, visit TexasHunter.com. Also by Hilton's Real-Time Nav. This week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report has been brought to you by Hilton's Real-Time Navigator bringing you the highest quality online satellite fishing charts since 2004. Your source for sea temps, allometry, currents, and water color at hiltonsoffshore.com. And by Bucks Island. Bucks Island has been in business since 1948 for all of your new and used boat needs, as well as motor sales and service, and now they have a pro-level tackle store. Boat and motor trade-ins are welcome. Visit them online at bucksisland.com or give them a call at 256 442-2588. Also by Fish Bites. Whether you're hitting the sand with set rig or fishing the flats and marshes for speckled trout, redfish, and flounder, Fish Bites has something for you. Check out the full line of scented saltwater and freshwater baits at fishbites.com. And by Mallard Bay. Book your next guided hunting or fishing trip with thoroughly vetted guides or charters. Plan trips, buy gear, go experience. Mallardbay.com. Also by Hayabusa Fishing, extremely well-known for their premium sabiki rigs, but also don't forget their full line of saltwater hooks and jigs as well as freshwater bass hooks. See what you've been missing at HayabusaFishing.com.